Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about the final episodes of NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she has studied lots of, uh, what do you call those, number piles? It's my sister, Marissa. Even number piles that just keep going on and on? What do you call that? Uh, what do you call that? I- infinite. Infinite? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> infinite number piles. Man, we are, this is the penultimate episode right? of the series, which is kind of bonkers. Uh, bef- I, I really liked this episode. I did too. Before we get Surprise in. Surprise guest casting. I know, it was great. And I, I also listened to The Good Place, the podcast this <gasps> week to get a little bit more info, inside Traitor. info that I can sprinkle in. <laughs> I know. I was like, our podcast is better no it's not but still (laughs) i love it okay uh before we get into it a little housekeeping up top you can find us on itunes google play and a good play goodplay.cast.rocks you know rate and review us if you want (laughs) uh at this point you know we know it's it's kind of towards the end but we would still love to hear what you have to say uh, and you can follow and like, like us. We have a group on Facebook called The Good Play, uh, Twitter at The Good Play Pod. I, I think Marissa will be in between sobbing next week. We'll be trying to tweet <laughs> a little bit. And uh, you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Yeah? yeah. Oh, do we have any emails? Yes, we have one email. Yay, hooray. And we had a little bit of chatter on the Facebook group as well. So ha- do you want to jump into the recap? Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. So we pick up where we left off last time. This episode is called Patty, by the way, which yes. how could we have ever no, I mean, ever known? There was some speculation because I was like, oh my gosh, Patricia, the little girl from uh, A Fractured Inheritance, like maybe some, you know, maybe there's some connection to her. Like, how could we ever have known? I never in a billion, million, jillion Jeremy Baramis would have ever guessed <laughs> that this is where it was going. But yes, the episode was called Patty. So we pick up where we left off, where the, the Soul Squad is in the golden balloon, sort of lifting up higher and higher. And it's all like, they're all like, is this real? Is this, is this really the the destination we, we've been lurking for so much? And Janet is just cool as a cucumber and just just like smiling beatifically like yes I know we're going the right way because it feels like I'm going home Yeah. and Tahani says it's the me of places and everyone kind of gets her, gives her a look and she's like I'm allowed to say that now <laughs> again I thought that was great <laughs> so they get to the good place welcome center Janet kind of puts her hand down to receive knowledge and she is endowed with all, like how the whole place works and she says there's going to be a welcome party. And when you're ready, like, there's going to be a door for you to walk through for that. And Michael's just kind of, like, on edge. Like, I don't know how the good place is going to react to having a demon in their midst. And the, he's just super nervous. And then I, I, one of them, I don't remember which one, says, like, are you nervous because you have weed on you? And he says, no. no. Jason says, oh, 
you're nervous. Do you want me to hold your weed? Like oh. he thinks <laughs> that's why Michael's nervous because he has weed on him and he's right. going into the good place. And he's like, no, I don't have any. And then he magically has weed. Right. So like anything you think of, even for a moment, like, oh, maybe I should or could or would have this thing like you instantly have. It. <laughs> Which then kind of does raise the question of like what a Janet even does. Yeah, that is a good question. Maybe, like, more for informational purposes. Although we do see a Janet later just giving people things. So it's a little weird. So in the welcome... So this whole place, it looks like... I mean, I think I put on Twitter that it looks like Pixar's campus. It's the Getty Center. Is it actually the Getty Center? It is actually the Getty Center. I love... How come I didn't recognize that? I have a postcard of the Getty Center at my desk We love the Getty Center. We went there, gosh... It's uh, over 10 years ago Over at this 10 point. years ago now. I've been back since several times, and it is, it is heaven on earth, so I'm glad they picked it. <laughs> so it is a beautiful art museum in Los Angeles. Yes. It's an art museum and an accompanying, like, botanic, well, just like gardens, like just really nice, beautiful gardens. Really gorgeous gardens, and, you know, because of the weather out there, you, a lot of the museum, museum is outdoors, and um, it's really just known for its beautiful architecture, and as well as its... Really fantastic collection, but yeah, the grounds are spectacular. How did they get it cleared out for a day? <laughs> so they're clo- okay. So this is what I heard from the podcast because I recognized it. I was like, I tweeted about it. I was like, that is that. I the thought Getty you were Center? just saying, hey, it looks like the Getty Center. I'm like, all right. Well, no, it also well, looks like Pixar's campus, Brianna. I like my analogy better. So I was like, is that the Getty Center? And then the next day, I woke up. The Getty Center had favorited my tweet, and I was like, huh, okay, that might mean something. <laughs> and then I listened to the podcast. The Good Place, the podcast, and they had the executive producer, one of the executive producers on, and he said that it took months to get them to agree uh, to film because they're usually not open for filming because it's like really it's an art museum. It's like you don't want yeah. to expose your art museum to people potentially like a gaffer, like falling backwards exactly. into a priceless painting. Yeah. And it's also logistically like it's up a mountain and it's like this whole thing. Oh, yeah. You have to get there on like a cable car, right? Yeah. Isn't it's that? Like a tram. Yeah. And so, but they are closed on Mondays to visitors, and it took them months to get the clearances to film there, but one of the people who, like, handles, I guess, their venue rentals is a really big fan of The Good Place. (laughs) And so they were able to work with that person and a couple other people, um, but they knew they had that location. They had to do it, like, months and months in advance, but it is the Getty Center. So the exterior is the Getty. Is the yes. interior also the no. Getty? No. So the, so the interior is another place in Los Angeles where they had filmed before. They said The executive producer said that they only had one day to film at the Getty Center. So it was like a crazy, crazy, like 12-hour day. So anything exterior uh, that is that looks like the Getty was filmed there. But all the internal stuff was filmed at a separate office park. It didn't look like there was a ton of exterior shots. Um, when they're sitting in the garden and she's talking to them and she has, she's talking to them about like how you pee your pants. <laughs> oh, that, no, you're right. You're right. And you're then, right. So, so that one. And then even when they're, when just the scene that we just talked about of the, all of them like waiting outside to be let in and, and, uh, Michael has weed magically and all that stuff. <laughs> that's also an exterior shot. Okay, the Getty. Guys, if you ever are in Los Angeles, I would say it's probably one of only three worthwhile things to see or do in LA. There are a lot more worthwhile things to do, but it's definitely at the top of my list. And you can also see it like when they touch down 
the outside of it says like you can see the whole building and the outside of it they've superimposed the words like welcome center on it for i guess the good the welcome center of the good place but it normally says you know getty center um but yeah it's beautiful it's it's absolutely gorgeous It, it is truly heaven on earth and everybody should go there if you can get to la it's great Okay, mm-hmm. yes. So they go inside, and it's not the Getty when they go inside. They go <laughs> inside, and there are these bowls of candy and, like, a, a pair of headphones. Tani puts them on. It's, like, all the nice things people said about you behind your back are playing yes. on the headphones, which I was like, yes, I'll take those. And, uh, there's candy that gives you the energy you had when you were 12, which I was like, yes, I will also take those. <laughs> there are ring pops that tell you the meaning of Twin Peaks, the true meaning of Twin Peaks, which, which Kyle McLaughlin, I saw that. You, yes. had, you had retweeted that. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin, the lead actor of Twin Peaks, was like, oh, sounds like the good place really does have everything. <laughs> Which has, what a sense of humor. Yeah. Amazing. So Cheney's like asking Janet, like, okay, who can I, I want to meet like Socrates and or Aristotle or Plato. And two of them, she says, defended slavery. And one, she said, was an annoying chewer, (laughs) which should give you an idea of, like, how arbitrary the point system has always been, but whatever. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, who can, like, who can I meet? And she says, oh, Hypatia of Alexandria is here. And I was like, ooh, because she's like, she was the first famous female mathematician. So, like, that's how I know her. Of course you already know her because you're Chidi's real life wife. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And... Chidi and Janet's like, is that like, was that someone you'd want to meet? And Chidi's like, high page of Alexandria. Eleanor's like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm great. <laughs> so the Good Place Committee that we've met so many times, Paul Shear and all his pals, come. And they say, Michael, come with us. We're going to take you to a swearing-in ceremony. So you become a good place architect. And I don't know about you, but this was the point where I was like, well, that ain't right. Yeah, I was watching this with a stalwart listener in front of the pod, Kate. We were just, the two of us were sitting there like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I I could like mathematically, I will get there anyway. So... They, they're going to go to their welcoming party and normally the door, you're supposed to go in one at a time and then it creates like the perfect party for you. But Tahani says like, let's all link arms. So the four humans link arms and walk through the door together to the party, the welcome party. And the party configures itself to a mishmash of their like interests and likes and things. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the venue is something from Jason's life, which was both the place where his prom was and also traffic court. Yeah, it was like some Jacksonville suites or some some like <laughs> yeah, really exactly. budget hotel. Eleanor finds the bedpan that Stone Cold Steve Austin hit Vince McMahon with in like 1998 or something. Uh, there's a bunch of people dressed like mailmen. That's obviously for Eleanor. Yeah. Uh, it's also, I think, a library, and that's, that's for Cheedy. And then there's also a bunch of snobby people for Don. There's a bunch of snobby people. There's a swan that's an ice sculpture, and then there's like a VIP section that's very yeah. tiny around the ice sculpture. <laughs> and at some point, we find out that there's caviar, but it's all served on top of Jello, Jello shots. shots. <laughs> just uh, all, just great. 
And I love Eleanor looks around and she's like, it's perfect. Because yes. it's all of them. It's so sweet. Oh, there's also a shrimp vending machine, of course. Yes. The same shrimp vending machine that Michael got Eleanor as an apology <laughs> gift when he tried to torture them with the trolley problem. Woo! Nobody try mystery flavor. It is white chocolate and it is nasty. <laughs> So there are these green doors in the room, and Janet explains to them that the green doors will take you to any place, any time, real or imaginary, and then you can go experience. So it's 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 basically it's a holodeck. <laughs> like I feel like didn't holodecks come up last week? Oh yeah, because of yeah. the because of the test, like the testing place, testing mm-hmm. the testing place. So these are it, it's not clear to me how like I I don't think it's like oh you can travel back in time and like affect history right it's just sort of like it's you're still in the afterlife but you are kind of experiencing things like holodeck style right yeah she says you can visit anywhere uh, in time real or imagined so like you know if you want to go inside an Austin novel maybe if you're me maybe (laughs) yeah or like you know. If you want to go to Narnia or, you know, Hogwarts, there are so many places. Oh, Hogwarts. I didn't even think of that, Brianna. (laughs) I would spend like a solid five years just going to Hogwarts. (laughs) You and Hermione would become like best buds. (laughs) I'm freaking out. (laughs) I wish heaven were real. Well, maybe it is. It's definitely not. So then Tahani, Eleanor pulls Tahani aside and she says, Tahani, I need you to go talk to as many people as possible so that we can talk about them and make fun of them after you're done. And Tahani's like, Eleanor, I was born for this. (laughs) Yeah, pretty great. So so now we're back in the architect's office and there's this big... Jason goes go-karting with monkeys. That's right. So Jason, Jason is mostly absent for the meat of this episode. Which I think is because there was not... This is a Megan Am- Amram scripted episode, by the yes. way. Our, our queen, Megan Amram. Yes. Um, I think there was no sort of elegant way to put Jason into this narrative. So I think they wisely kind of got him off screen for like the middle third of it. But he does have, I think, kind of a crucial... Like he proves to be a crucial piece of like how they understand that everything is forked. Spoiler alert, but <laughs> right. everything is forked. So he goes off to go go-karting with monkeys. He goes through the green door. He goes go-karting with monkeys. He, he's gone for like the next third of the episode. So we're in the architect's office and there's this big scroll with arcane writing. And Michael is choosing like, what should my signature look like? Dr. Blob or whatever. And I'm just sitting there going, so- something terrible is about to happen, <laughs> right? Like this is yeah. the po- this is the point of the episode that like, just timing wise it's 22 minutes of television like it has to be now like i'm just sitting there going (laughs) any any second now Well, my thing was like they separated him from the rest of the group i was Mm. like i just had this feeling of like don't separate from your squad you know like it's something's gonna party yeah exactly don't split the party like something's really gonna go wrong here so he's he gets all giddy and excited and he signs the contract with uh i think he calls it the Girl meeting Zac Efron. Uh, girl so, who has a crush on Zac Efron. Okay. Yeah. Which is a, that's a little bit of a dated reference, but whatever. He signs it and all the Good Place committee are like, great, you're in charge of the Good Place now. No take backsies. Goodbye forever. And then they are gone. 
They like run out. So I heard on the podcast that that was also a sight gag that they added on the day that like he's in the office alone and you can see all the people like running outside <laughs> through the window. Um, it works really well. Yeah, it was great. He They said that the outside had enough greenery where you could kind of like fake that it was still on the same in the same grounds as the rest uh, of the welcome center. So they oh, kept that's... the window open and they you could see all the people running back. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael's like, um, what? Oh, by the way, they've given Michael this like elaborate blue and gold robe with like, like a, like the kind of thing that you would like graduate from like a super poncy university, like maybe it, a British university. It's like a Technicolor dream robe. <laughs> yes, it was. So then Michael's like, calling for like is anybody here are there any employees here whatsoever by the way what happened to the woman in the mail room do you think well the mail room's not the welcome center no i know but there's not no good place employees left i guess there's just no like high level staff that's probably true probably if you if you're working at the welcome center you might be like the cabinet officials or whatever uh versus like the people who are working in the mail room so he's going around calling for names he, or anybody, you know, to sort of respond to him. Nobody does. He finds a an office where they have obviously been brainstorming ideas with a bunch of crumpled up paper. And he's like reading the whiteboard of ideas, like how to fix the good place. And there's a bunch of them. It's like, make the unicorns bigger. And it's like, wait for Beyonce to die and get here and fix everything. Which I was like, okay, on the one hand, that's funny. I appreciate that joke. On the other hand... Have they not realized that nobody's gotten into the good place in 500 years? And that Beyonce is not going to be the one to get through? Certainly not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Although we did hear in, in a previous season that she is 104% perfect. So maybe she could be the one to get through. Mm, no. <laughs> Just no. No. There are people who give their entire lives... To service of others, and I have nothing against Beyonce, but that is not her life. <laughs> the Bayhive's gonna come for you, Mish. I don't think anybody listens <laughs> to this podcast who their all their Twitter bio is just little B emoji. <laughs> so back to the party room. Chidi meets Hypatia of Alexandria, who is played by Lisa Kudrow. Hooray! Which was just hilarious. I think we've, we've definitely, we talked about Lisa Kudrow when we did our Friends episode. So I'll just briefly say, without like recapitulating too much, that she is inarguably the greatest comic talent on from Friends, of yes. the six Friends. Yeah. Uh, she was a super legit comedian and uh, improv actor before she got picked up for friends and the fact that she kind of hasn't she didn't the fact that she was sort of like the one of the minor friends on friends is sort of a travesty but whatever she does great in this episode and she is like dressed in sort of modern clothes and Chidi's like shouldn't you be like in like robes or whatever she's like no 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 like we keep current here like you know and she names some things that are reasonably modern <laughs> the manhattan project yeah, um, right. she's dressed in a in a Jaguars jersey. <laughs> oh, I guess that's that's for Jason. That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, and it says uh, five on the back and uh, Alexandria, right? Or Hypatia? I forgot. On the back. Yeah. So Chidi is just sort of like freaking out in her general direction, like, okay, but like, what is ethics even? And like, what? How do we even do responsibility? And she goes, Oh, you're one of those um, think men. 
And he's looking at her like, what? And she's like, you know, think book men. And he's like, philosopher? She's like, yes, thank you. You have to help us. We're so screwed. And you're like, yep, this is the other shoe <laughs> is dropping currently. Yes, right. So Tahani starts chatting up this like young, attractive guy. And he just has this, like, incredibly flat affect. Like, it's oh, very- my God. He was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's disturbing, right? Yes. From, like, from a narrative perspective, it's disturbing. Yeah. That, you know, she's like, so, like, what's your name and where are you from? And, you know, how did you die? And he's like, I got a cut on my hand. Back then, that was all it took. I would have killed for a vaccine. It's crazy you guys just don't like them now. <laughs> Which, I think, that's not the first, like getting shots in at anti-vaxxers on the yeah. show and i always appreciate it yeah me too and tahani is just like okay i gotta go bye <laughs> and janet meets uh, a good janet who lives so th- visibly indistinguishable from our janet yes there is a good janet who works there and a guy just comes over and says janet i want a coke and she's like bing she makes a coke no a water no a bowling ball no a giant junior mint no like just cycling through all this stuff and she's just like here you go here you go here you go here you go and janet's like so they just ask you for things and you just get them for them and then the other janet's like yeah it's great and our janet's like hmm yeah (laughs) so they're outside at the getty center (laughs) and Chidi's like, no, Patty. Oh, at some point, Chidi asks Hypatia, like, how do you actually pronounce your name? And she gives all these, like, various pronunciations, including one that's, like, accurate to the ancient Greek. And she's like, just call me Patty. It's fine. Yeah. Which is how we get the episode title. Even after they'd met Hypatia, I still hadn't put it together that that was the episode title origin. And I was like, oh, okay. So... Chidi's like, no, Patty, no, this is paradise. And she's like, yeah, it is paradise on paper. But when paradise goes on forever, you just become like a happiness zombie. Like, we're just constantly going around. I'm just constantly going around in sweatpants, drinking milkshakes and having orgasms all the time. And like, it does. And like, slowly she's, peeing myself. <laughs> and slowly peeing myself. She said instantly evaporates. Although, like, why should you even need to pee at all? <laughs> why? So so apparently that was a Megan Amram thing where she wrote that in that you are slowly peeing yourself and it instantly evaporates and there are no consequences. And other people in the writer's room were like, that's your idea of heaven? And she was like, yes. <laughs> she is such a weirdo. God, Amram. A brilliant weirdo. Yeah. But it doesn't. There shouldn't be any biological processes at all. Whatever. Well, who says it's not just for your own enjoyment? Who knows? Okay. I I don't even know where to go with that. (laughs) So Eleanor and Chidi are like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And they run back in and they meet up with Tahani and Janet. And Tahani's like, I talked to one guy and he was just like a zombie. And Janet's like, I talked to another good Janet. And she just, she was like... Hi, how can I help you? It's like, I mean, I say it, but like when she says it, it's different. Yeah, it's really weird when she says it. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, okay, we have to find the committee. And Michael just busts into the room and goes, the committee is me. I am committee. It me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Oh, uh, oh, it's just perfect. So then 
they they kind of like they're you know they're having like a tete a tete, and then Jason comes back in and he's wearing like a like the kind of jacket that like a NASCAR driver wears. I didn't like bother to like freeze frame and see what all the little patches were for. I Me bet neither. they're all jokes. I'm sure. But they're like, why are you back already? He's like, uh, you know, go-karting with monkeys got bored and they're, got boring. And they're all like, oh, God! Well, because, <laughs> yeah, because they say, like, okay, well, you know, Hypatia's just, like, one person. Like, surely somebody must be having a good time. And then Jason, who is, as we have known him to be, the most easily excitable and, like, you know, easily distractible person on planet Earth comes back in and is like, hey guys, like, the, you know, go-karting with monkeys got boring. And they're like, oh God. So he <laughs> is like the litmus test. Yes. That this is actually truly broken. Yeah. And they're like, how did it get boring? He's like, well, first I tried it with monkeys and then with hippos and then, you know, this, that, the other thing. And just like, it got, it got boring. And well, they're I like, think importantly, he says, I, then I just kind of wanted to come back and hang out with my friends again. Thank you. Yes. I agree yeah. that that's important. You know, Patty is talking to them and saying that the good place kills passion and fun because, you know, everything you ever dreamed of or wanted, you know, you have access to it. But like infinite happiness, like you get bored eventually. And like, I don't know that she says this explicitly, but I think there's an implication of like when you have an infinite expanse of time, I don't think there's any urgency. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. Oh, I've always wanted to do X, Y, Z. Well, I literally have an infinity of time <laughs> in which I can do that thing. So I don't have to do it right now. Right. And so they kind of just, it reminds, did you, did you ever see Serenity, the Firefly movie? Yes. You know, the drug that they tested out on that planet and they all kind of just slowed down and died. I don't remember it that well. <laughs> okay. That's what it reminded me of. It's fine. And Michael's like, okay, we can fix this. We just we just reboot people every once in a while so that they, you know, they don't remember that they've already tried everything before. And Chidi's like, heaven can't use the same playbook as hell. Yeah. You were doing that to torture us. And Michael's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then Eleanor says to Michael, do you remember what I told you when you were having your midlife crisis with the earring and all that? And he says, you look dumb. And she's <laughs> like, no, no, no. The other thing. And he said, oh, right. But humans are always a little bit sad because in the back of their minds, they know, they always know that they have to die. And Eleanor's like, I think that's the answer. So they go back to the party room. They get up on a dais. Uh, they have an announcement. Although Michael has smoked the weed that he accidentally yes. <laughs> was given by the good place. So he's a little bit loopy. So instead of him getting up, Eleanor and Chidi get up and they say... We're going to make a new... And, and it's, I think it's, at some point before this, Michael's like, can we do this? Like, are we allowed to do this? Yeah. And Eleanor's like, you, you're you it now. <laughs> like, you are it the you. good place. <laughs> it you, right. So Eleanor and Chidi get up and they say, we're going to make a new door. And you will never be pressured or forced to walk through it. You do it on your own time. But whenever you feel like your time in the good place is over... You walk through it and you will be at peace. Mm. And so someone asks, like, well, what's on the other side? And they said, we don't know. We just know that you'll be at peace. And so Michael's like, use the green doors. Those are the ones that Jason went go-karting with monkeys in. Mm. Michael's like, use the green doors to do everything that you want to do and see everything you want to see. And then when you're ready, walk through one last door and be at peace. And everyone freaks out. Uh, Jason... Uh, gets a DJ kit and he's DJ music again. He's Yay! DJing the party. 
Uh, Patty is talking to Chidi and Eleanor, and she says, you know, I've really wanted to be able to beat this ennui for a while, but, like, now that I know that I have this option, like, I think I'm going to stick around for a little while and, and do some more stuff. And Chidi says, it's a really good thing that we met you, because... Uh, if we hadn't met you, then we would have been screwed. You know, you saved us. And she said, no, 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 no. Your friendships uh, are what saved you. Yeah. So when the party's done, Michael takes the humans to their old houses, which I guess, was this on the Getty Center grounds? Or was this Probably else? not. <laughs> Probably not. So Tani has her old mansion back. Uh, Jason is the only one who I think who has a new house and it's a replica of stupid Nick's wing dump and oh Jason's God. like it's what I've always wanted <laughs> and I don't think so we don't see Eleanor and Chidi's house right yes uh, it's the it's the um, it's the blue and red clown house yeah it's the like modernist weird one yeah it's right it's right next door to Tahani's house okay I didn't see it because we see them at the end sort of sitting in a divan is that how you say that word divan sure <laughs> Sitting in a divan with like a like an afghan over their legs, looking out at the sunset, and that doesn't seem like it would be possible from the house that they used to have. Maybe they have a new sun porch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they all go to their houses, and Michael's kind of looking wistfully after them. Yeah. Tahani had an, a line that I loved, where she said, "All right, we'll see you all tomorrow, and every tomorrow after that." And I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> So Eleanor and Cheaty are on that divan that I mentioned and perhaps mispronounced. <laughs> and they're looking out at the sunset and Cheaty says, the good place was never a place. It was just time. It was enough time to be with the people you love. Uh-huh. Which, yeah. Which, look, I totally agree with him. I don't think if you had an eternity of paradise, everything you wanted or whatever, but you were completely alone, yeah. like that's not paradise. That's torture. That. <laughs> That's just, that's horrible. Yeah. And Eleanor says, you're right. And we have as much time as we want. Although if you don't give me some of that Afghan, I'm going to walk through the peaceful door or whatever. And they're like laughing and they are cuddling and And it's a sunset. I'll miss you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of the episode. It's so sweet. (laughs) It's very sweet. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. All right. Discussion. Lead us off. Oh, I really enjoyed this episode. I want to spend a lot of time talking about the door that they have constructed and maybe what that means for the next episode. Yeah, so he's Michael in this episode says, you know, this whenever you're ready, you can go through this door and be a piece. And then the final episode is called Whenever You're Ready. Best case scenario, we see a bunch of people who've been in the good place for like 5,000 years lining up to use the peaceful door. Worst case scenario, one of the cockroaches uses the peaceful door. I think it's Michael. I kind of think so too, but I don't want it to be. I am emotional. (laughs) I am not like physically, spiritually, or emotionally ready for it to be be Michael. I'm just not ready for that. But there was something about the look on his face. I agree. I agree. But, but. I mean, there's a reason that you feel that way, right? Like, there's a reason I came out of that going like, oh, yeah. I mean, and they had done in the previous episode, like, they had made such a big plot point out of the fact that, like, he feels like he has no purpose anymore. Yeah, but this is his new rock. He's got to run. Who's going to run this place if not him? 
Well, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I because mean, it's not exactly fair to any of the humans to put that on them because then it becomes like, you know, Atlas shouldering the world and you have to trick somebody else into holding the world so that you can, right? Because like, if he says, I have to go into the West <laughs> and like some one of you has to take over and let's say it's Eleanor, then like Eleanor can't use the peaceful door until she finds someone who's willing to take it off her hands. And right. she never really gets the sort of, you Paradise. know, par- yeah, I mean, yeah. she's always going to have things to worry about like so here's what i could be janet i guess could be janet (laughs) what if it's janet and like what if derek shows up oh my Um, god but here's what i would assume that like he sticks around for a while and makes sure like things are running smoothly and i wonder if because like truly you you should not have one entity one being who's in charge of this place. And so maybe it's a situation where he takes the time to find other good place architects and trains them up to be but the like, new from committee. where? Well, they have, they're training all the architects, right? The good place and the bad place architects to, to remodel in this new system. So it is possible for them to find people from the like architecture groups to come together and like, basically reform a good place committee that is hmm. like I don't know more about functional. that. I don't I just don't know about that. It would feel really weird to get to the very final episode and be like, hello character we've never met. This burden is on you now, right? Like that puts a spotlight on someone who is not part of the narrative. Well I don't Well I just I don't know. I'm trying to find a way out that is for Michael that because like I I I just have a strong feeling. Like, I think that look that he... Because, like, all the humans and Janet, like, walk into their sort of two-by-two, like, walking in... Well, Tahani goes by herself, but... Yes. The the Tahani and then the paired couples, like, go by by themselves into their beautiful houses and have these... Or stupid Nick's wing dump, and they have these, (laughs) like, beautiful moments together. And Michael's sort of left on his own. I I, I think that's significant. I don't want... I don't want him to leave... But like that's but that's as much of an argument for Tahani going into the West, right? Which she's not gonna do. No, she's going to stick around and listen. Just keep those headphones on and listen to Carly Kloss <laughs> yeah. say really good things about her. Which, right. like, look, I would do too. I mean, the thing is, like, we've already done some pretty crazy time jumps. Like, we've already been some Jeremy Baramies in the future. So, like, it's possible that we're seeing that that the finale. Uh, keep in mind, the finale is a two parter. Yeah. So the, typically the way that they've done two-parters in the past is the first half sets up a ticking clock for the second half. Mm. That's what they did, at least in the season one finale. I shouldn't say typically how they do them. This, there was a two-parter towards the beginning of season two as well. Yes. And there was a two-parter at the end of season three. So I think, but it's, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. But we've seen in those two-parter episodes, we've seen some pretty significant time jumps. We've seen, like, reality jumps. We've seen all kinds of things. So it's kind of hard to... I I don't necessarily think it's going to be, like, we pick up exactly where we left off. And, you know, we could be 5,000 years into the future and things are set up differently. I think I'm fine with that. If what happens is 
we fast forward 5,000 years and the all six of them feel like they've done and said everything they wanted to do and say. And then they go together into the West. I think I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Right? In the sense of like, I mean, that, that is basically, it's going into the West. Like, it's what happened when they went into the West, right? Like, they all went together. Right? The 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 people who had borne the ring, right? Like, all went together. Well, Sam doesn't. Except Sam. Sam's got to stay behind and be a real person. But, I mean, he only held it for like a hot minute, right? <laughs> okay, but he had <laughs> arguably the greater burden. But whatever. Yeah, look, I don't... It's fine. <laughs> but, you know, the sort of... I, I, any one of them going by themselves, I think, is too much to bear. But I think all of them getting to a place where they feel like they've reached the end of the road and they want to kind of go out together, that I'm more okay with. Yeah. If yeah, just... I mean, if it would be kind of an interesting thing to have, because in this episode, they link arms to go into the welcome party. Like, right. if Tahani were to say, let's all link arms and go out together. Although, let, let me... I mean, I talked about this the last time we had the podcast, which is that sort of any relationship probably cannot bear the weight of eternity. And I would say that that's, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they will always be friends, but it doesn't necessarily make sense to me that in 5,000 years, the most important people in Tahani's life would still be the cockroaches. Like, I would hope that Tahani would possibly meet a someone or someones and have like real intimate you know the the sort of intimacy that she has never been able to have ever yeah. Yeah. in her entire existence like i would just hope that they would have branched out sufficiently that maybe they would get to a place where they're like you know actually mass suicide <laughs> for the six of us or whatever is not something that i necessarily want to participate in but you guys have fun well uh, uh... I mean, that's a tough one, right? Because you have, there are, you know, relationships in your life that are foundational. And I think even if you get to a place where you're not talking to each other every day, you don't see each other every day, there's still a bond between you. And, you know, would you kind of honor that in that way? Perhaps. But that's kind of why I don't think it's going to be all of them. I don't, I don't think Mm. it will be all of them. I think we will... I think the important thing for the humans is for them to get to experience a a true paradise where they are, you know, free of all of the things on earth that that kept them down and they get to have all these experiences, whether together or separate. But I do sort of feel like there is a finality to Michael's journey that maybe is not there for the rest of the characters Mm. because his journey was to become more human. And what is there more human to do than to die? He's never experienced that. Oh, that's just, that's just gutting. It is gutting. It is truly gutting. But that, I think, is the, that's the last step, right? That's what he didn't get in the midlife crisis episode, right? Like, that's why he had that midlife crisis, because he was thinking about being blinked out of existence. And this is like a, a kinder version of retirement, right? Yes. Like, he would, but he was thinking about being put out of existence, snuffed out of existence. And 
that's when she had to tell him, like, this is a, a fundamental thing that you don't understand about humanity because you've never, you're immortal. You don't know what it, it's like to have every day tinged by the reality that, like, you could die at any moment the people but you then, love could but, die. Right. But then Chidi says, imagine that, you know, you were going to be retired. Yes. And Michael's like, there'd be no more me. And yeah. that's when he spirals. <laughs> he right? has a, yeah. And so... You know, one of the things that... So they had a writer on the... Actually, no. this. The, so they did have a writer on the podcast for, for this latest episode. But also, Michael says it in the episode that the Good Place Architects... Or, the, sorry, the Good Place Committee didn't know how to fix the afterlife because they weren't human. So everything they were coming up with seemed good on the outside, but wasn't sort of fulfilling to human souls truly because they didn't know what it was like to be human. And so that's, I, I kind of feel like there's something in there that his whole journey for the past four seasons has become, like, him becoming more human. And, and like I said, you know, what, like, that's the final step, almost, in a very sad way, but it's true. Okay, I'm done talking about how Michael's going to die. <laughs> we can talk about it next week if it happens. I mean, oh God. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's all just, like... You know, my so my favorite show on Earth, Psych, which I talk about all the time, the they really nailed their finale because the creator of the show basically said, I wanted it to feel like these shenanigans were still going on. It's just that they weren't on camera anymore. Mm. Like, and so the finale sets up a lot of change for every character on the show, but it ends with sort of the beginning of their next adventure, which I loved because it was a way to kind of say like, I don't, I mean, goodbyes are really hard. Endings are really hard. Finales are particularly hard. I think, I mean, very can, few shows have stuck the landing on I that. I mean, you can listen to a rise of Skywalker episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> finales are, finales are particularly difficult. And I would love for this finale to just feel like, these characters live it, live on for as long as they want to and have all the adventures that they want to and go go-karting with hippos and um <laughs> you know Cheedy gets to talk to all of his philosopher buddies and like everybody's happy but i do kind of feel like there is going to be some 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 way of us having to say goodbye but yeah humph i know i know so Let's let's just talk about the mechanics of this universe for a minute. Okay. So now there is no bad place. When you die, you get sent to the testing place. And when you uh, have been tested into the good place, you go. And you stay in the good place as long as you want. And then at some point, you can embrace the sweet uh, headiness of nothingness. <laughs> Whatever mm-hmm. you would like. So I guess I just... And I don't know that the show's ever really going to address this, but I guess I do have some questions about, like, do we expect that pretty much everybody will get through the testing place at some point? Um, that's a good question. I think it's probably designed for that. Right. So I think that... So I was talking to a friend who said, I think that if they think that the ethical option in the good place is to give people this escape button then the ethical option in the testing place would be to similarly give them that same escape button. To say, like, hey, buddy, you know, this is your 500th time through this sort of uh, gauntlet, if you will. And if you're feeling like, you know, 
you're not sure that you're ever going to get it right, then you can kind of just opt out of this. Mm. And I you like can, that. Yeah, and you can kind of just be like, actually, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> you never get to experience paradise, but the reason for that is that you're kind of irredeemable. <laughs> sure. So you never really deserved paradise, but maybe you also don't deserve to be caught in an eternity of a t- of testing? I don't know. I mean, I on the one hand, I'm sort of like, if you think of history's worst monsters, if the worst thing that happens to them is that they're trapped for an eternity in a place that's trying to improve them, then like, to me, that's not that much of a punishment. And it's, in fact, it's not even really punishment. It's, it's not designed as punishment. It's designed as a proving ground. Right. It's designed as a place to make you worthy of ascension. And so it, it's not designed to be torture. It's not designed to be punishment. On the other hand, it can probably function as punishment, even though it wasn't designed for it. You know, if you are caught up in this testing place for eternity, because you just really are irredeemable, <laughs> then, you know, should, should people be given basically an escape hatch from that? That's a good point. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think I think the way you've constructed that argument makes a lot of sense to me. Like, mm. you you'll never get to experience paradise, but like, that's because you didn't get there on your own merit, right? But that doesn't mean that you should be caught in an endless loop of your own failures. Yeah, I mean, we ha- we've had a lot of questions about the testing place in terms of like how many tests are there and like how you know there are the Egyptian version of the afterlife, right? Like your soul gets weighed next to a feather, right? On a scale. And then you get someone eats your heart if you don't. Oh dear. (laughs) I forgot about that part. Yep. But so it's not the first conception of the afterlife to have a test of your sort of purity or your, your goodness on earth. But it's also not this like one and done binary, right? Because that's what we're getting away from. So I, you know, I I do think that that makes sense to kind of like give people an escape hatch from that. But I also wonder how many people would choose that just because they get like frustrated, like they could make it through, but I don't know, maybe you'd have to save it for like certain cases. Yeah. I mean, I, I am sort of thinking of myself as a child there, you know, where I would just, you know, get to a certain point in something that was difficult and be like, not doing this anymore. Blink, and you're like gone forever. Right. I mean, I think again, this show steadfastly refuses to ever address the concept of miners being dead. Which, fine, I get it. Yeah. Um, I would assume in this system that you know babies and children are not actually tested. <laughs> right. God, you hope so. Right, like, they we're not sending babies and toddlers to what a testing a, place. What would a toddler, like, test be? Because that's Don't not... hit your brother. That's Don't not... hit your brother. You want to come to my house? Don't hit your brother. Stop hitting your brother. Don't hit your brother. Spoken like a mom of a toddler. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's also, like, you don't have the self-awareness. No, they can't test age. babies. It's ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just going straight up we're just going to accept that as a as an axiom yeah so you would hope that they wouldn't let a teenager just kind of be like oh i'm sick of this (laughs) (laughs) just just take the quick exit 
Well, Oi, that, I mean, that's, <laughs> but that does sort of like, you know, the guy who helped the poor in ancient Phoenicia, the guy with the really flat affect, like, yeah. they probably had a teenage lifespan, right? I mean, that guy yes. looked to be in his early 20s. Your brain isn't fully formed until you're 26. There are going to be people who are like, you know, there's a uh, something corporate song called 21 and Invincible. Mm. For all you <laughs> millennial, like, alt-rock kids out there. I believe that um, is, was that Straight Edge, the emo? <laughs> something corporate? Emo piano rock, I, I would say. <laughs> and, like, the whole song is basically about how, like, all the adults in this person's life are telling them, like, don't make the same mistakes I did, and, and uh, you know, you've got to grow up, and y- you're, you're being really, uh, what's the word, like... Intransigent? Impe- yeah, impetuous and just like you're you're taking a lot of risks and I am really worried about you and the whole you know, his whole thing is like I'm twenty one and invincible. Um I can't wait to fork this up, right? He's just like I you know, I don't care about that. So I think you know, you can get technical legal adults in, in the testing ground who are still uh have a long way to go. And I would say even you know, people who are older, but who just like never had the coping mechanisms, right? Never learned the coping mechanisms or learned bad ones. Like, right. I think this is an option you would have to save for really people who are really on the edge of sort of human behavior or human, you know, like all the people they profiled on Mindhunter. Yes. (laughs) Those are the people we're talking about. (laughs) Like really out there people who it's like, I'm sorry, like this just isn't for you. And I think it would be a tiny, I think ultimately be a tiny percentage of people. Yeah. But I think there is a tiny percentage of people. It's like, I'm sorry. Like there's nothing I can do with this raw material. Like (laughs) something just got really, really messed up. Yeah, I mean, and it also depends on, like, I, I think the mechanics... We had some questions about the mechanics of the testing ground last week as well when Tahani was going through it, but I think there is sort of, like, do you get... Do you go through tests... I can't believe I'm... I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but similar to defending your life, <laughs> do you go through tests at different stages of your life? Or do you go through tests as your fully formed adult self, right? Are you, can you, can Eleanor, for example, be put in a test as an eight-year-old girl and yikes, have to figure out a way to like interact with her parents in a different way? Or is it a situation where Eleanor is an adult and she is, has all the baggage. She's coming in with all her adult baggage and um, she's got to kind of work through it. Or do you get... Because I think some of that question of, like, people's raw material comes from, like, you know, in this case, are you are you testing people out of the coping mechanisms that they learned as children to deal with their circumstances, right? Like, I'm thinking of... I, I know I said Mindhunter is a joke, but, like, they the, the profiles are, pro- profilers on that show will often talk about, like, this person's childhood. Obviously... There's mentally something there too, but like it's exacerbated by some of the things that they went through in their childhoods. Like, are we going back and testing people in these like similar circumstances or is it just like when you die, you are tested how you arrived and therefore you're coming in with all this baggage? 
I would guess the latter, but I don't know. And what if the thing that made you a bad person in life was like a traumatic brain injury? Mm -hmm. I mean, you shouldn't... Mm -hmm. Once you are not, you know, technically tied to your human body that you had on Earth... You shouldn't have that TBI anymore. So you should sort of be a version of yourself that doesn't have that sort of personality altering thing. You know, there's just, I don't know. They they could answer questions like this for an entire season. I think I, they're not going to obviously. No, no, but no, no. Or no. even even I mean, a TBI is pretty cut and dry, right? Where it's like your brain got hurt and now you don't have a brain anymore. So yeah. like your brain's or, not hurt anymore. Or but, a tumor. Yeah. Right, but what if right? Or if you're like Phineas Gage with the railroad gauge through your head, but like, what if you're just someone who has a mental illness and that mental illness causes you to you know, be bad to people, basically. Like, and once you get to the afterlife... Like like, the subway ghost in Ghost. Yes, the subway ghost in Ghost. It's all coming around now. (laughs) Listen to our backlog, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, like, this is probably the closest thing to an ethical system you're going to get. Right. I would assume that when they say, like... In the afterlife, you are free of racism and sexism and capitalism and money issues and all that kind of stuff. You're also free from health issues. You're also free from your mental health issues. Um, And so I would think that for some people, it is a respite from their lives on Earth. You know? Yeah. It's funny to compare and contrast this with like a Christian version of heaven. Which I have always found sort of weird, just sort of weird. I think if you grow up believing it, it probably isn't as weird to you. But we certainly were never taught a Christian version of heaven, having not been brought up Christian. So I think that, you know, in the Christian version of heaven, you know, you are happy for eternity, not because, you know, your pee evaporates from your pants as Megan you Amram. As Megan Amram as you pee them. But I think that your eternal happiness and ever-increasing happiness is supposed to come simply because of proximity to God. Yes. Like, that there's no... I mean, there are... There's some... I think some questionable metaphors in the New Testament about, you know, I'm building you a house in my father's, you know, heaven or whatever. And like, so there are a lot of Christians nowadays who literally imagine themselves to be getting ready to go to a mansion in heaven, which, I mean... You're Tahani. Like, do you look at yourself in the mirror, realize you're Tahani, and you're actually, uh, you're worse than Tahani because you think that there are people who deserve to go to a place that is the bad place, but whatever. But I think that if you look at Christian teachings removed from the trappings of, like, American capitalism, then it is sort of this sense of, like, well... Eternity is great because you are always in the presence of God. And that in and of itself is like fulfilling for all eternity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have created in this show a reality where there is no God. There. (laughs) There is no God. There's just dude. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Like Michael is the highest moral authority in this universe at this point. Michael is the dude. (laughs) Michael is the dude. So, and, and, and we've also created this world in which when you die, nothing about you changes. 
Like, there's no revelation. There's no... There's no purification of your soul. There's no sense of greater purpose. There is nothing. It is just your life as exactly as it was on Earth. But now it's at the Getty Center. (laughs) Listen... And so but sounds were, okay to me. Yeah. Well, so there were real there were real debates that I saw in some comment sections about like, would this really be a problem that you could never escape this sort of afterlife? Meaning what? So, is it a real is the is the main conflict of this episode a realistic conflict that people have eternity in paradise and that has turned them into like pleasure zombies and. The existence of of an escape hatch is, like, the best thing that's ever happened to them. I don't know. I think I think it is kind of realistic to have... We've talked... Bef- I think we've talked before in this podcast about the idea of, like, the hedonic treadmill. That you get used to certain things after a while, right? Like, she even... Uh, Eleanor says in her speech, like, you know vacations are special because they end and like this is an eternal vacation and so it's no longer special so the things that you took a lot of pleasure in at some point become rote or boring or you forget to appreciate them or that kind of thing i don't know that it's like the i mean i i i I think it makes sense I also don't know, like, what else exactly they could have done. Mm. Like, I think maybe we had talked a while back about, like, maybe the conflict is that heaven is sort of, like, seen as a gated community and they don't want other people coming in. But I think for the way that this show has spent a lot of time, like, building up the good place, like, I, I don't know... Like, of course, it's going to be filled with great things. But then, like, what's the downside of the great thing? Right? I think that right. is the, the the idea behind it. But, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I So, my take is that it is realistic. Only because of what I said sort of immediately prior to asking you this question. Which is that the humans of the afterlife are unchanged from their sort of mortal selves. Mm-hmm. And... The human mind is not built to deal with eternity. It's just not. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think... People who are, like, transhumanists, which is different than being transgender, everybody, (laughs) wait. What does that mean? So people who are transhumanists are people who want to, like... Basically, what's that terrible Johnny Depp movie where he becomes a computer? What? (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Terrible Johnny Depp movie where he becomes a computer. Transcendence. Thank you. According to Wikipedia. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. Transcendence. <laughs> what just happened? I asked Google. Like, so, there's a Johnny Depp movie, Transcendence, where he, like, uploads his consciousness into the cloud and he becomes, like, a swarm of killer computers or something. It doesn't matter. But, like, transhumanism is, like, the project for moving humanity either past our current bodies into some sort of like digital consciousness or maybe like hacking our bodies so we never die or whatever cool and that, always- that d- can never go wrong that that seems like <laughs> completely foolproof plan <laughs> i mean holy moly yeah so that as a project has always terrified me i've always yeah. been like those people will stop at nothing 
That is that seems to be like what's his junk in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Jared Leto's character. Okay, he seems like that kind of guy. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I, I haven't. I didn't see that, but like. Okay. The thing that has always sort of... I mean, like, I, I think it's a terrible idea. Everybody, transhumanists, stop it. But, like, <laughs> I think it's a terrible idea because I don't... Well, I mean, like, a, a lot of reasons. <laughs> like, sure, a lot of sure, reasons. Sure. But one of them being, like, I honestly don't think that humanity can, in its current form, can, like, survive being alive forever in a way. Like, that our minds can really take on that task. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a quote, Susan Ertz. I'm afraid I don't know who she is, but someone quoted her in one of these debates and it says, millions long for immortality who don't know what to do with themselves on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Mm. Right? Like, I do think that there is something about the human mind that cannot really function in an infinite space. Yeah. And I also think that Humanity also has, like, our brains kind of have a hard time with time as it is. Like, you know, the people, I'm not certainly nowhere near an expert in this, but, like, people, time moves differently if you are, uh, like, in solitary confinement, for example. Like, Mm -hmm. it, it feels like time stretches on for a really long time because you don't have you're like sort of cut off from every signifier of time and i think in the good place you know that's all simulated right like but there's no like there are no days it's it's eternity right so i could imagine how that would kind of drive people crazy in their in its own way i think it would i honestly do so i think that it was to my mind it was a realistic conflict with a realistic solution but there's definitely people being like hey give me eternity like i'll take it like i i'll read every book i'll watch every film and then you know i'll have an, like billions and billions maybe even trillions of people to talk to yeah i mean and i think that importantly one of the things that they say uh during this speech where they're announcing this new door is that no one is ever going to pressure you to walk through it right that that if you want to stay for eternity you can stay for eternity that's fine if you feel like your time is up, you can go. And so I think that is an important distinction. Whereas like humans don't have that option, right? Like, Well, we have the death option. We don't have the option to never die. Right. <laughs> and by if the you're way, a transhumanist, that's what you're trying to do. The death option. It's not an option. We just have the death. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's the, it's the death requirement. Fair, fair enough. Um, death and taxes. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I do think that that's an important distinction is that for, for people in the afterlife who say like, no, I want to stick around. Like, yeah, you can. That's cool. But, but And it's going, they're going to have an infusion of new blood. You yeah. know, all of a sudden, like the last 500 years where the people plus all the people before the 500 year mark who just didn't get in because they chewed too loudly or whatever, like... <laughs> Every human who's ever lived minus a tiny percentage is going to start filtering into the good place. And that certainly is going to sort of give the joint a bit more of a party vibe than it has had for the last several centuries. Right. I mean, and I think you also will have people who, you know, people, to your point, Marissa, like people coming in 
who are new and who everything, you know, they're in awe of everything and they're so excited about everything, like might give the people who've been there for a long time a new lease on how they feel about the place. Right. And and it's exactly what Chidi said, right? That it's not a place, it's time with the people that you love. And and with an influx of new people, there might be new people that you love. And that could I mean that's love in any number of ways, right? right. Like right, right, right. you could meet your best friend who lived you know, a thousand years before or after you, right? Yeah. Like, the they they need to, the only real thing that can satisfy a human soul at the end of the day is a connection with another human soul, right? That and so true. they need to, the people who live there, live, quote unquote, live there, need to make those connections with new human souls that are coming in, or maybe with the ones who are already there. And when they feel like they have kind of made all the connections they're ever going to make. I guess that's when they, they go and spent all the time they've ever wanted to spend. But like, it may be with, with a bunch of new people coming in that it's like, well, there's new people coming in all the time. Right? Like, yeah, that's true. I'm never going to get bored of this because, you know, there's a million people in a day coming. I, I'm just completely, I just, I have no idea how many, (laughs) just, this is the episode where I ask my phone things. How many people die every day? Oh God. Something went wrong. Try again. How many people die every day? It's thinking. According to Wikipedia, of the roughly 150,000 people... Oh, I was way off. I was off by an order of magnitude. Okay. So 150,000 people die every day, and let's assume that they kind of get into the good place at sort of a similar rate. Like, you know, you're going to get, you know, about 150,000 new people in the good place every day. Like, you could have an eternity, assuming that, I mean... There is an assumption on this that, like, humanity doesn't destroy itself in real life. <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, about that. <laughs> but assuming that doesn't happen, you know, you get, you know, you get a lot of new people every, coming in every day. That's all new connections, relationships. And maybe you do sort of, and I think this is realistic, that at some point you kind of reach a saturation level where you're like, I have... It just, I have really experienced everything I wanted to experience, and I've made all these wonderful human connections, and also, like, I think I'm done. Right, and that's what you hope for your life on Earth, right? That, like, you get yep. to... Like, I remember our our grandfather, he passed away over 10 years ago now, but towards the end of his life, he would say to our mom, uh, his daughter, like, when I go, don't cry for me, I've had a good right. life. Yeah. And... He was in his 90s or was he his late 80s? late 80s. Yeah. And, you know, that's what you hope. You hope that you have reached a point where you're okay with the idea of, like, this has been my life. This is my time to go. And I think one of the things that really got me choked up about this episode was their their description of the of your experience going through that final door as as being peaceful. You know, you are going to be at peace. I think that's... You know, you talked before about, like, the Christian conception of heaven. I also think there is an element of, like, people believe, people want to believe in an afterlife or do believe in an afterlife because, you know, for all of the turmoil that you go through on earth, you want to believe that there's some peace afterwards. Mm. You know, if you are dying of an illness or you have just had, like, a really difficult life or you're struggling with addiction or something like that, you know, I, I think... For people, there's a lot of, some people, there's a lot of comfort in the idea that, you know, 
when this is all over, I'm, I'm going to be at peace. Or, you know, like you hear people say after somebody dies of a protracted illness, like at least they're not suffering anymore. Right. right. And so I think that's what really affected me about this conception of this final door is that like, you know, there is an element of you will, you will be at peace. And I think that's appealing to a lot of people because it seems like even in this afterlife, there are going to be ups and downs, right? (laughs) Not everybody's going to get along. You'll still have some shenanigans, (laughs) but that when you go through the store, when, when you decide that you are ready uh, and you feel like you've had a, a good enough afterlife, you'll have a peaceful end. And I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for with the afterlife. Oh, it's going to be a week next week. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so. I think that next week it's, I think my husband said that it's a one hour uh, finale. And then there's going to be like a talk back afterwards. Did you hear that? Oh no, I haven't heard that. I haven't. So if that's true, I think we should do one week episode on the, the finale and then a different episode the next week on the talk back. Okay. Because it's going to be too much material to cover otherwise. Uh, that's the only plan I have. <laughs> yep. So we got an email from listener Christina P. Hi, Christina. She said, hi, I recently found your podcast. There's a couple of reasons I'm emailing you. Number one, all these please email us. I figured just in case. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we do like getting email. Yeah, we love it. Number two, it's been helping me through the hiatus during the Christmas season. She did just send this, like... Less than a week ago, but I guess, you know, a belated note to be like, thanks for getting me through the hard times <laughs> without without uh, the good place on. Currently listening to your episode about the season two finale. Uh, so I'm not sure if she is caught up and or if she's going to hear this in like a year. Yeah. But hey, Christina. Number three. And this one uh, shook me to my core. Oh, no. <laughs> But in a good way. Okay. I also wanted to let you know how impressed I am with your guesses of where the show is going. Since I'm listening with future knowledge to your past selves, each episode I'm saying to myself at least once, wow, they're good. Which I've never thought that once Me about neither. us. Me neither. I've always Christina. been like, wow, we were just terribly far off. So that, but like, yeah, I've never thought that we predicted anything ever. No, no. I think every episode of this podcast ends with us going like, well, we're terrible at predicting this show, so we'll just see what happens next week. We never know what the heck is going on. Like, oh! Yeah. It's always just a shrug emoji. Basically. Uh, yeah, so that was my listener email. I think, um, let me just make sure that I don't have any sort of tweets that I want to... Um... Well, Susanna on the Facebook group said... This makes Su- sense. Susan. Susan, Susan sorry. Right. Susan said this makes sense. Yes, she did. And I think that she is correct. Oh, so listener Ian. So there was a tweet from the there's official Good Place tweet, uh, like NBC tweet about like, you know, who would you... So Chidi was so excited to meet Hypatia and like, who would you want to meet? And I had like tweeted a couple things out and I said, you know, I want to meet Fermat, the, the mathematician, because, you know, he famously said he had this proof of this theorem that was too small to fit in a margin and listener Ian just tweeted at me to say he made a mistake. No. Ian, that's why you don't get talked to at my good place welcoming party until after I have spoken with several other people. What? <laughs> that's that's the most uh that's like the most 
potent threat I can come you're up with bringing, at this moment. You're bringing your pettiness with you into the good place after <laughs> being going through. That's what the proving ground is for, to get your pettiness out. Mm. So by the time you get to the good place party, all is forgiven. <laughs> Uh, I think, I don't, so I don't know if this person is a listener or not. They follow us on Twitter, but I just don't, this is Zachary L. You know, sort of, we're talking about Michael. He said, I'm worried about Michael. And I said, he did seem a bit nobly bearing the whole burden at that last point there. I hope he's all right. And Zachary said, is he lonely? What about Tahani? And I said, ostensibly Tahani will soon have all of humanity to choose from. But Michael, well, I'm not sure he's wired for pair bonding anyway. And Zachary said, what about him and Sean being BFFs or Vicky? And I, was I like, like that. Those, you know what? <laughs> if Michael and Sean, it sort of becomes like um, like the Fast and the Furious, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was that Fast and Furious movie where Jason Statham had to work with Hobbs the and Rock? Shaw. <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. If Shaw. If Sean and Michael become Hobbs and Shaw, I, f- I would be happy. <laughs> oh my god, it's so fitting too, because Shaw was a bad guy who just yeah. sort of becomes part of the team, yeah? Yeah. Nope, that's fitting. Alright, I don't think I have anything else. Do you have anything else? Uh, I just have one last thing, which is not really good place related, but tangential to dis- our discussions about the afterlife. So John Mulaney was recently on uh, Stephen Colbert's show uh, promoting his Netflix special, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. And they kind of spend a lot of time talking about um, just sort of like comedy and its relationship to anxiety and all these kinds of things. It was an interesting interview. But at one point, John Mulaney says, if there's an afterlife, if there's a hell, I think it's an encyclopedia and you can just look up what everyone in your life thought about you. And if there's a heaven, oh God, and if there's a heaven, it's a Wikipedia and you can just change that. <laughs> wow. That's like a, that interview has been gaining traction sort of in virality and I, I really want to watch it. Yeah. Well, I, I linked it in the notes, so I will watch it. Check I it promise. out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not ready for next week, y'all. No, neither am I. But uh turns out you don't uh, you don't get to pick when the ending is. <sighs> Until next time, enjoy the Stardust milkshake, y'all. Ooh, we will see you next time, ding dongs. Knock, knock, So uh, until next time, uh, try not to be an amazing pagan woman martyred by Christians. No, I don't like that. <laughs> that is how Hypatia died, though. It was terrible. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, she. Yeah. But a, a Christian mob like really killed her really badly. Oh. Um, no.